This is the Knowledge Bandits Podcast. I'm your host, Arum. I'd like to thank you for joining us today. Let's start the show. This is the Knowledge Bandits Podcast, and I'm excited to bring you today's guest, Mr. Andy Daze. Uh, Andy is a law professional with several years of experience and also entrepreneurship experience. Uh, Andy, I've given a very, very brief introduction, but I was wondering if you can take the time to let the bandits get to know you a little bit better. Okay, thank you for the opportunity, um, and thank you for having me on the podcast. Um, I, I'm, I'm a law professional, um, as, as you rightly put it. Um, mm. I come from Nigeria, come from Jos, precisely, mm. Plateau State. Um, I did my first 18 years of education in Nigeria and then um, went over to the UK for the higher education. Uh, I am qualified as a lawyer in Nigeria, in New York, um, and in England and Wales. Um, so I've kind of uh, gone the full, gone the full remit of qualification, so to speak, in, in the field. Uh, and that's that's a bit of my educational background. My professional background spans um, work in the U.S., the U.K., Nigeria, um, mm. as well as uh, a few other businesses that I've, I've tried my hand at. Hmm. That's that's really interesting. And so, um, how did you get involved in business with uh, in New York and in the UK and in Nigeria also? Um, it just the business kind of took me. Well, law took me there first and foremost, and then business kind of grew out of it based on the kind of person I am. Um, mm-hmm. I've always been entrepreneurial. Um, I've always been engaged in one form of business or another right from when I was eight. Mm. Um, so being able to study um, in these three jurisdictions definitely gave me the opportunity to to see what was available and um, find ways where I can impact the society and, and create value to people. Hmm. And I'm sort of really curious. You said that you you're entrepreneurship journey kind of started when you were eight. What did you do uh, at that age? <laughs> right. That's, that's a, it's a bit of a funny story. So um, I moved from Jos to Lagos with my mom. She she was a banker mm-hmm. um, and she got posted around. So I'm, I, I was the last of, of four children, so I moved with her. Um, and just being around the neighborhood, I noticed you know we would always go to the local store to buy sweets and gum and you know, soft drinks and, and all that. Mm. Um, and I just felt, why were we going to give the money to the store people? Why can't I sort of have my own store and collect the money? So um, I pitched the idea to my mom, uh, got a bit of startup capital, and then I went, I went to the market and got items at a cheap rate and literally just put a stool right outside um, the gate right by the road, hmm. and had my friends and my mom's friends patronize me. So that was my first business venture. Wow. Wow. And so how has that sort of entrepreneurial spirit carried on into some of the stuff you're doing today? And also, can you just mention uh, the businesses exactly that you have now? Um, I think the entrepreneurial mindset and spirit has carried on because in every situation, in every 
um, country I'm in, I'm always mindful of the possibilities. Um, now, it's one thing to be mindful of the possibilities and develop the ideas, but it's another thing to execute and actually create a business out of it. Um, in that regard, I'm obviously not able to create a business out of every single opportunity I've, I've seen or um, idea I have, but to be able to cherry pick um, the most feasible ones and the ones that offer the best return for, for value. Mm. Um, now, in terms of the business I've, I've been engaged or I'm currently engaged in, um, I run my own law firm. It's called Daze and Associates. Mm. Um, it's a full-service Nigerian law firm, but it also covers um, England and Wales, it covers New York, because I'm able to practice in all, all four jurisdictions. Mm. Um, I also um, started um, a legal, an online platform for legal solutions. Um, it's called Law and I. In fact, that's my most recent project. Um, it's being developed as we speak. Um, so uh, on that platform, we make law acceptable to everybody. Um, we make law um, at a very affordable rate, um, and and we streamline the processes so they're not as complicated. Hmm. Um, aside from these two, I'm also uh, a stakeholder in other business ventures with some other people. There's uh, Money Me, which is a platform that helps people to save their money in a community, um, in an interactive community, um, hmm. and in an efficient way. Um, and as well, I have Bar Tutor, which is um, a platform for legal training. Um, hmm. And then lastly, uh, there's a family company I'm involved in, which is an, which operates in the oil and gas industry, um, in the downstream sector, hmm. uh, in terms of transportation, marketing, and distribution of petroleum products. Hmm. Um, and then I and then I have one other business venture with a friend. Uh, way to primarily construction of roads and buildings. So that's, in a nutshell, my uh, business portfolio. Wow. That's, I mean, that sounds like a lot is going on. How do you manage to stay on top of everything? It is, it is a lot. And sometimes um, some businesses suffer at the detriment of others. And that's, that's the challenge for me now as, as I grow but what I found most important is being able to pick your partners um, very well. Now, you have to pick the right partners where you can trust each other and you balance each other in terms of work. But also, um, it's, it frees up some time for you. So with the construction company, for example, when my, when my partner is lobbying for contracts and um, executing the contract as well, because I don't have the technical know how to build a house um, mm -hmm. I, I can then take a seat back but when when it gets to the legal side of things when it gets to the organizational side of things and the running of the business i'm able to have more of a say mm. um, so just you know i think being able to have the right people around you helps you juggle um, whatever businesses you have to do if you try to do it all on your own you're just going to crash mm. And I, I, I like what you're saying there is it takes the right partners to, to grow a successful business. And we see that's a theme that entrepreneurs talk about over and over again. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And one that's, more thing that I want to pick, uh, pick up on what you said is um, that you have the right 
entrepreneurial mindset, but it also takes execution. So um, someone else put it a different way to me. He said, ideas are worth pennies. It's the execution and the value that you add is, is what is valuable. Very, very well said. Very mm. well said. Mm. No, I was, I was just going to add that it's, it's crucially important um, to be able to execute. And, and I think uh, the challenge a lot of people have is that they have big ideas and it's a challenge to execute big ideas. Well, that's true for every businessman. The key is to have big ideas, to scale it down and break it into small bits and, and look for the most important selling point out of that idea and start with that. And if test it, if it works, then you can scale very quickly to become that big idea. So that's, that's the key there. Hmm. I, th- I think that's really, really good advice. And particularly with Daze and Associates and Lion Dye, can you tell the bandits how you sort of broke down those big ideas into really actionable steps? Right. So with Daze and Associates, it's a regular full-service law firm. Um, it was started in 2010 when I first became a lawyer in New York. Um, and essentially just started between family and friends. So they knew I was a lawyer and they would let, they would have me do legal work for them. And sometimes I did it for free because I was still learning my trade. But um, it got to the point where I started charging fees and then the work became, the work increased and I then registered the entity. Um, the work then increased a bit more. Um, and then I engaged other people to work with me because I was not able to do it all on my own. Mm. Um, so I'm, I'm based in Lagos, the financial center of Nigeria, but a lot of the legal work I do is in Abuja, where all the public bodies are and the regulatory bodies are. Mm-hmm. So to be able to help companies and businesses and entrepreneurs comply with the regulatory requirements, you have to be able to interface with the bodies in Abuja. So. I'm not going to be able to be in more than one place at the same time. So I engage different people to assist me in different ways and they get compensated as well. So that in itself was my organic growth, so to speak. Um, you know, starting small and then trying to scale as the business comes in. Mm. Um, for Law and I, again, it's, it's in the early developmental stage, but I'm working with a partner of mine out in LA, actually. Um, his name is Shalom Bako. Mm. Um, we'll, he's more on the tech side um, and then I'm the legal professional and I'm driving the business in Nigeria mm. so he's tech and marketing I'm legal and operations so we, we've created a landing page to build interest to mm. gauge the response of, of our potential c- consumers mm-hmm. um, and we're, we're marketing hard now so once we're able to build up that market intelligence we can then create the full platform based on what the people want. Um, although it would be developed in stages or rather in phases where we break down the most important bits created for phase one. Um, once that, once that gets to go, we'll go to phase two, build more services and make the uh, platform have more functions. Then we go to stage three. And it's, it's an evolution in that sense. It never quite stops. You just keep improving and improving and adding. And you then get to the grand big idea that you have in your mind. So that's, that's kind of how I've broken down both businesses into little bits and pushed hmm. it forward. 
Hmm. And I think that's that's good to see how you've been able to sort of scale a grand idea down to actionable steps, because oftentimes uh, as entrepreneurs, you have uh, and, and maybe not even just as entrepreneurs, but as thinkers, we have a huge idea that we would love to pursue. But when we think about it, it seems way too grand. It's important to boil it mm -hmm. down into specific measurable steps. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You have to make a conscious effort to break it down. Um, otherwise, you would get inundated, you would get depressed, you may get disappointed because you're not able to actually meet your goals. But once you break it down, anything is possible. Hmm. Anything. Hmm. And what are, for, for uh, Dazian Associates and for Landai, what are sort of the clients that you're seeing for both of those businesses? Um, for Law and I, it hasn't really picked up yet, so it's very difficult to give that response. But mm. we've gotten some very positive feedback from people that are interested. Um, we've reached over 25,000 people with our marketing. Um, mm. We've gotten positive responses. We've also gotten some negative responses. Let's not um, shy away from that. But that does not deter us. That just helps us to remodel our product and make sure it's geared towards the people that we wanted to to reach. Mm -hmm. um, for Dazzy and Associates, uh, my clients, my clientele went from family and friends um, to including um, local companies um, on entrepreneurs. And it's grown now to include um, public bodies, so um, government bodies. Um, it also includes some multinational organizations. Um, and and it's, it's steady growing. Um, the next step for me would be to actually have a footprint in, in England and in New York. Rather than just being able to transact business there, um, the next stage would actually be to have a working office um, and, and possibly staff in, in those regions to hmm. expand. Hmm. I like that. And so in starting both of these businesses, did you have any outside capital or was this sort of bootstrapped? Um, for Daphne and Associates, it was bootstrapped. Um, I, the, the, the money, I, the revenue I generated from the business um, was put right back into the business growing. Mm. So um, I, I didn't have any outside investors or, or anything like that. But we all and I, um, we're, we're looking for outside investors. Uh, we're just preparing our investor package and mm. we have interest from one or two people that, you know, see the vision and are willing to um, stand behind it. Uh, what we're also doing for Long Eye is enlisting in entrepreneurship programs. So there's the Tony Elumelu Entrepreneurship Program, TEEP. For sure, mm, mm. Um, that that looks to train entrepreneurs across Africa. Um, there's a boot camp for it, and and then they also give you some startup money. Mm. Um, and if you can grow to a certain level, they give you additional money for that. Um, the other thing is the Central Bank of Nigeria, in collaboration with Heritage Bank, are uh, providing young entrepreneurs with startup capital as well. So it's it's very good for entrepreneurs to be flexible and to be able to tap into, I call alternative sources of capital. Mm. Um, because not every, not every investor would charge you a commercial rate of interest or a commercial rate of shares in your company. 
For example, the Tony Alumalu Foundation will give you $5,000 upfront, no, no stake, no interest, mm. um, and, and no commitment. And then once you go forward, um, they can then refinance and give you more money for a little stake. Mm. So the Central Bank of Nigeria initiative, they give you um, up to 3 million naira, uh, which by rough estimation should be about 10 to $15,000, depending on the exchange rate. Mm-hmm. Um, and they give it to you at single digit interest rate um, to be payable over a longer period of time. So there are programs, there are um, initiatives out there that can help fund um, different projects. Hmm. And I think that that's the case across many countries in Africa, uh, is that there are all these alternative sources of funding, these alternative sources of capital that people can tap into. So it just takes doing a little bit of research and finding out what's most um, beneficial to your venture. Absolutely. Your venture, your country, your region, there's always someone, something out there that can contribute with Mm. very little um, commitment from you. Yeah. And as you get into that stage where you're looking for, for capital for Law & Die, how do you determine how much of the business that you give up? It's, it's a bit of a process. Um, first of all, you want to have control um, over the business. So first things first, you're not going to start with anything lower than 51%. Um, a startup is, is a, it's a very... Um, it's a very delicate baby that needs to be taken care of and your vision is what will drive it to where it can get to. Um, so based on the valuation for the size of your business, you can then determine how much um, an investor is bringing in in terms of actual cash or how much an investor is bringing in in terms of the value of their service. So you may not have to pay people upfront. You may decide to give them equity instead. But you have to be very careful that you know the true value of your business as it is, as it will be when fully mature. Mm. Um, and based on that, you can then break it down and say, okay, if you give me ten thousand dollars, that will represent one, two, three percent of what I feel the business is worth five years down the line. Um, and and if you can then put your package together and allow investors to see that dream and see the direction you're going and know that it's not just um, an idea. Uh, they would definitely be willing to put your their, their money in. I mean, for example, for Money Me, which is the financial services platform that mm-hmm. they're creating, um, where we're looking at millions of dollars in valuation. We, we've not done our numbers yet. Um, but if, if you're an investor coming to put in $100,000, you're only going to get a fraction of the value of the business. So mm-hmm. it's very important to first know the value and then work backwards to figure out what people are giving you and what it means to the business. Hmm. Hmm. I think that's really good advice for some of the bandits who are going through that stage of uh, raising capital is understand what the value I, is and figure out how much yeah. you can give from that. Right, but I think I think having said all that, you have to be realistic as to the yeah. value because what most people tend to do is overvalue their business mm. and that puts away potential investors. And then you then go through a process of thinking, 
where nobody thinks the business is good, nobody thinks that that may not be the case. The business could be fantastic. It's just that maybe you're putting too much of a premium on what you think the value is. So mm. it's important to be realistic. Mm. Mm. That's good advice. And uh, I'm curious, uh, moving back to Nigeria from diaspora, what was that? What was that move like? What was it like when most of your work was uh, was sort of around financing Dazia and Associates? Can you explain to the bandits uh, that point in time? Um, so I moved back in 2011, um, having spent about eight years um, outside of Nigeria, shared between the UK and the US. Um, it was a challenge to decide to come back, but I knew that it was only back home that I could make the most impact on people's lives. Mm. Um, in addition, it was only back home I knew that I could make the most amount of money um, to mm. then, you know, keep growing. Um, yeah. You know, I felt constrained. Um, I felt I felt I could make a, a ton of money working for, you know, a Fortune 500, you know, a top. Um, law firm or whatever it is, mm. but I wouldn't be able to have the same impact on people's lives, on, on the community, on the society, and and get that that sort of gratification in doing that. So mm. uh, that was the mental um, journey I went on before finally deciding to move back. Mm-hmm. Um, in moving back, I didn't really move back with much capital, um, which is one regret I had or had. Mm-hmm. Um, being being in school, coming from a Nigerian family and being in school uh, abroad, I was being supported by my parents. Now, I didn't engage in one or two side businesses, you know, buying buying and selling of um, gadgets and, and all that, but mm-hmm. that wasn't really sustainable. Um, and what I wish perhaps I should have done was take out a chunk of of my maintenance um, funds uh, and save it in an interest-bearing account. Um, now, hmm. if you think about eight years, um, putting together all the money you, you, you get, and I don't care if it's $100 a month um, or hmm. if it's $1,000 a month, depending on how much support you receive, there's always something to take away and save. Mm. Um, but most importantly, put that away in an interest-bearing account and and let that, you know, get generate more money for you. And it, perhaps it doesn't have to be an interest-bearing account. Mm. You could invest it into shares or or the, or the stock market or you know or anything. Mm. Uh, but make sure you have something to tap into when you're moving back. Because there's so many costs associated with moving back and with starting a business, and you don't want to start relying on the people that have sustained you all these years when you move back. So, um, you know that that's one one thing that one regret I have, and I'll definitely advise everyone listening to try and save something um, towards moving back. Hmm. I think that's really good advice because oftentimes you see people wanting to move back and it's a very passionate decision, but it also uh, is meant to be a financial decision. So don't separate that from, from that whole process of moving back and wanting to add value and impact change in your country. Right. 
Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And now we're, we're going to shift from talking about the business. I think we've already started to do that, uh, but want to get to know you a little bit better as an entrepreneur. So what fires you up in the morning? What's your morning routine? And why is that routine so important to you? Um, before I go to bed, I always have my list of to-dos for the next day um, mm. based on what I was able to accomplish the day before. So when I wake up, the passion is already there for what I need to do. Um, and the list of to-dos are already there as well. So I already feel like I need every second in the day. Um, so I think, I think that's my, um, that, that's what powers me up. Um, my morning routine, I mean, I get up, um, definitely say a prayer first. Um, and then I go through my phone. I catch up with emails or look at what emails, messages have come in. If there's anything urgent that needs to be handled immediately. Um, otherwise, um, I, I put it down, you know, get dressed um, and have breakfast. Um, and then I always read um, before I continue my day. So after, after I've had breakfast um, and I'm all set, I read. Um, I read either a book or I read the news or both. Most mm. often, I'm, I'm reading the news. Um, but when I get when I get a good book um, that I can, I definitely have that um, to read first. Um, and I, I don't spend too much time doing that. Maybe an hour or two. Um, so being able to wake up early, you know, allows me to spend that time, and then I can go into the day um, fully prepared of watching the news and. and also, I've sharpened my mind as well as to what I need to do during the day. Hmm. That's, that's really interesting. And so part of being an entrepreneur is uh, the passion, but another big part is being able to sustain yourself. So can you share some ways that you generate income? Um, okay. It's very important um, to generate income and survive as an entrepreneur, even though you will go through periods where you have very little. Um, so, if you're in the period now that you have very little, you know, it's, it's not the end of the world. Um, but as an entrepreneur, I have a nine to five, um, which, which for me is just a means to an end. So, mm -hmm. uh, again, you have to be realistic about where you are in life, what position you're in, and what skills you need to develop. So, mm -hmm. being able to have the nine to five has helped me develop um, discipline. It's helped me develop structure in my day. Mm. Um, and, and then it keeps me extremely busy. Um, it really does. Mm. So um, that, that, that has helped me to remain motivated and remain, um, you know, and, and sustain myself financially um, so that my other projects are additional income. Um, and... You know, it's, it's no secret that the success, to be successful financially, you have to have multiple streams of income. So um, mm. being able to have money work for you, being able to have money come in even when you're not giving something your full attention is, is very important. Um, so, yes, I have a nice to five that sustains me to an extent, but I also have my businesses that add additionally to what I have. Hmm, hmm. And I, I, I like what you're saying there about having multiple sources of, of income and also 
um, having a nine to five, because I, I think one of these themes I'm seeing is be realistic. Uh, you moved back mm-hmm. and you didn't necessarily have all of the pieces in place. You mentioned the, the financial piece of things. Um, but mm-hmm. sometimes to get to your dream, you have to do what's necessary. Uh, and for you and for many entrepreneurs, it's getting back home, seeing the lay of the land, working and understanding, learning about what where you can add value. Absolutely, and and I've I've seen it with a lot of people that come back from the diaspora, and they're not so realistic. Um, I mean, the world is for dreamers. Don't get me wrong; you can change the world, but you kind of have to be realistic at the same time. And I've seen people um, not take the time to immerse themselves back into the environment, and what they end up doing is criticizing everything about the environment without actually changing it. Um, so they regularly compare it to, oh, you know, in the States it would have been this, you know, or in England it would have been that. But you're not actually changing anything, you're just complaining at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. So unless you roll up your sleeve and do something, um, I would suggest to, you know, just get reacquainted again um, with how things work, because it's a whole different ballgame game business here. Mm-hmm. Uh, just get reacquainted, um, get your feet on the ground, learn. Um, I think if you're still young, then you still have time to go to learn. And I've, I've been working in a law firm for the past five years. And mm. that is helping me to understand how to run a law firm. Um, it's not just about the law, it's about the business of law. So it's, mm. it's very important to, to, to do that um, and, and get your bearings right before you risk it all. Yeah. And I think, yes, uh, just just to add on to what you're saying is uh, if you're in diaspora and you want to move back, don't think that you have all the answers. Because if you've been gone for four, five, sometimes up to eight years and you're moving back, a lot has changed. You might not even recognize the area where you come from. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And what what you might think will work. Trust me, it may be totally different. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And so, I mean. As an entrepreneur, especially an entrepreneur who's moving to a completely different environment that you've been in for the past uh, how many years, what is actually one of the biggest challenges you've faced as an entrepreneur so far? And can you like take us to that moment and, and describe it to us in great detail? Um, let's see, one of the biggest challenges, I think, is the, the, the challenge of finding the right partner. Um, I had a venture um, when I first moved back. It was something I started thinking about and working towards while I was in England. Um, and then I made the necessary contacts, and, and I it, it was the business was a, a legal training business. So my my idea was to train Nigerian lawyers to also become lawyers in New York. England and Wales, and, and by so doing, build capacity within the Nigerian legal profession mm-hmm. to the point where we don't need to engage foreign law firms for complex transactions. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that was the aim of the business. That was, that was the goal. Um, so I I partnered with a foreign a uh, U.S. company um, to help Nigerians take the bar exam, mm-hmm. and then I moved back to Nigeria with that partnership. But what the foreign company did was they put me in touch with um, someone they had had contact with in Nigeria and had worked with. 
and asked me to work with him towards um, the partnership. Now, I didn't know this guy from anywhere, um, and, and I had to sort of build a relationship, personal and professional, with him, and then build a company together. And that was very demanding, um, because he was at a different stage in his life. He was also not as passionate about it as I was. He wasn't as willing to put in um, the amount of work that was necessary. Uh, and there was just a clash of business personalities. Um, mm -hmm. And in the end, in the end, the, the business only lasted about two years. Um, and unfortunately, we were not able to even um, get off the ground. Um, and the business is still there today. Um, I still have a personal relationship with him, but I know that from a business point of view, that kind of arrangement is not going to work between between us two. Mm -hmm. We've also transacted in other businesses, don't get me wrong, but not under that kind of arrangement. So I learned very quickly there that I needed to define who my partners were and how we operate on what basis, rather than have them imposed on me or have the relationship created by a third party. Um, and, and that was a tough one because I had invested a bit of money into it. I didn't say it was a large amount, but it was a tough one to, to, to learn from. But I'm glad I did, you know, and, and going forward, I'm very careful with the people I work with. Hmm. And we f we find that over and over again, the business is about relationships above almost anything. It's great to have a good idea um, and it's great to execute, but without having the right partners, it makes both of those things, it sort of diminishes the value of both of those things. Yeah, yeah, you hit the nail on the head. It's business is about relationships. They say your network is your network. Um, so apart from your business partners, um, you have to have a relationship with your consumers. Um, you have to have a relationship with the regulators, um, with um, you know the other businesses, your competitors. Um, it's it's very important. It's all about relationships and mm. how you leverage those relationships and work those relationships. Yeah, yeah. And conversely, what is one of the best moments that you've had as an entrepreneur so far in Nigeria? What one moment where you felt you know this is this is really where I belong. Um, I'm not sure if it's just that one eureka moment, but I, I tend to get a buzz um, every time I hit a milestone in my business. Hmm. Um, so, it, you know, whether it's Davy and Associates or Law and I or, or any other business, when I'm able to set a target and meet that target with the with positive reception, I always get a buzz from that. I, I get a little kick, and I think that inspires me a bit more to set more targets and gives me more confidence, actually, um, to keep going. Um, and I think it's only when, perhaps a few, a number of years down the line, that maybe I'll sit back and look at what has been created, will I get the truest sense of what I've accomplished. But right now, I'm still hungry, and I still feel like there's so much more to do. So I, I don't know if I've, if I've hit that moment exactly mm, quite mm. yet. Yeah, yeah, uh, definitely. And you mentioned uh, 
getting this buzz when you hit your milestones. So how do you set those milestones for yourself that both challenge you and are both uh, and attainable at the same time? Yeah, so that's, in fact, what you just said is it's important to have that balance. Challenge yourself, but make sure it's attainable. Um, what I, I'm, I'm very much interested in the structures of business. Maybe it's part of my legal background um, because we, you know, we help people structure their businesses. But once, once I have a business or once I have a project under a business, it's very important to conceptualize it in, in the mind and then map out how you intend to get there. So, in fact, for Lond, I just over the weekend, I created a roadmap for our launch date. Mm. So, again, I was able to break down the different tasks, allocate the tasks to the people I feel can deliver, um, set timelines for delivery of those tasks, um, and have a status check on each task every week. So it's it, it's almost like a science where uh, you have the end goal and then you work backwards and divide it into um, different segments. But of course, knowing that you have to challenge yourself every day. If every day you set yourself a target of just doing one sentence, you know, maybe a ten-page report, it's going to take you years mm. uh, to complete that. Mm. So being able to set a challenging um, target, but also knowing that even if you don't meet it, you push yourself to the point that you come close to meeting it. And then every day, you push you push the boundaries again. If you keep limiting your tasks to tasks that are easily doable within your, uh, within your power to execute um, very easily, then you're not really going to grow and push yourself so it's it's a fine balance, but it's one that has to be um, carefully managed um, and strategically managed as well. In, in everything you do, have strategy at the back of your mind of what you want to do. Now your strategy could be wrong. That's fine, no problem. You just have to go back and re-strategize mm. um, and then go forward again. So it's it's more detrimental not to have the strategy than to have the wrong strategy. Hmm. I like that. And uh, just to sort of elaborate on what you're saying is, um, as you set goals, keep in mind that the more time you give yourself to to achieve something, the longer it takes. Uh, it's, it's, it's a weird concept. I forget what the theory is called, but it says uh, mm-hmm. tasks will expand to the time allotted to them. So keep in mind mm-hmm. that that you can push yourself very very hard mm-hmm. and finish something that you thought might have taken a month you could probably finish it in a week if you set that goal for yourself right right and that's that's actually a good um a good thing i never heard that but it's absolutely true um mm. the, the mind can really do a lot more than we think it can yeah yeah and i think that's that's a good segment uh that's warmed us up for the rapid fire round are you ready um, sure, I guess. All right. So what was originally stopping you from taking the step to be an entrepreneur? Honestly, fear. Fear of failure. Hmm. Hmm. And I think that's that's a very common one, but once you get past yeah. it, it's it's Yeah. Yeah. I think yeah, I think I, I once you have responsibilities, you have um 
people setting, um, you know, having ideas for what they think your life should be like. People like parents, like professors, like mm-hmm. siblings. Um, you tend to fall into that bubble and you're afraid to burst it. Yeah. Um, and, and I'm still trying to work my way around it. Um, I'm by no means over that hill right now, but the fear of failure or letting people down was, was a big, big challenge. Because hmm. so it still is. Hmm. Wow. And at what point did you stop looking at your businesses as a project and more as an actual business? Um, I think at the point of commencement, um, everybody hmm. wants to make money, true. Hmm. Um, but I think in everything I do, I think about how I can impact people. Not necessarily because I'm the most humanitarian person in the world, but because I know that the more people you can impact and the more people you can touch means the more money you will get, the more successful you will be. Hmm. So the, the, the motive behind the reasoning is irrelevant. The point is, I try to impact people's lives and people on a personal level because I know that would impact my bottom line. Mm-hmm. And what quality do you have that most contributes to your success as an entrepreneur? Um, I think I'm always optimistic. <laughs> I think I'm optimistic mm-hmm. to a fault. Mm-hmm. Um, being, being in Nigeria, um, I've learned the hard way. I've, I've been defrauded, you know, I've, People have stolen from me. People have cheated me. And, and that's, that's one of the um, realities of business on the ground, uh, which is why if you're mm. coming from, from the diaspora, I don't think you can change the world without knowing exactly what goes on. But even, even when that happened, um, I was still positive about things. Uh, I was still able to recover some of the um, funds that you know, were illegally taken away. But that's also because I was positive. Um, mm. And for the ones that I wasn't able to recover, you know, it's fine. Regroup and move on. Mm. Um, you know, I, I try not to uh, overburden myself over disappointment. Hmm. Hmm. And what quality do you wish to improve on most as an entrepreneur? Um, I think being able to finish strong. Um, hmm. I, I, I think I think that is very huge challenge I have. Um, I, I, I'm passionate, I'm fired up for, for things that I want to do and, and I and I go ahead and do it. But you know, at what point do you call it done? You know, at what point do you finish? Mm. Um, and, and being able to push through to the last minute is very important. Now, not every business you have will, will last your lifetime. Mm. It's important to know when to sell when to stop, mm. when to evolve the business into something else. Um, so definitely do not have an emotional attachment to um, your business, but also know where the finish line is and make sure you finish strong. Mm. Um, and, I, and I think as well, I, w- I would want to improve more on my negotiating skills. I think I'm too much of a nice guy when, when I'm <laughs> negotiating and, and I'm not selfish enough mm. um, for the for the for the value of the business. Hmm. Uh, so yeah, those are two areas. Okay, nice. And what was what's the best advice you've ever received, and who is it from? Um, my my former coach in high school, 
life is 10% what happens to you and 90% how you react to it. Mm. Um, and that couldn't be further from the truth. Um, mm. Things happen. Um, problems come. Challenges. Um, challenges come your way. And the only constant in life is change. So yeah. not not reacting negatively to issues and, and problems and change and, and that um, is, is the key way to improve your business all the time. React positively. The best thing is not even to be put in a position where you have to react. But things happen and when it happens, react positively and just move forward. Hmm. And what book are you reading right now? Ooh, um, it's a good one. Um, actually, funny enough, it's it's a free book that I stumbled upon um, on my iPhone. It's in the iBooks um, app, and it's called Think and Grow Rich. Mm. And it's written by uh, a guy called Greg Reed. Um, and essentially, the book shows you how to harness your mind into making sure you become successful. Um, and I think that has been one of his most powerful books that I, I mean, I'm still reading it, but I think it's, it's one of those books that I read a little and I have to drop it, close mm-hmm. it and think about it. Think about what I just read rather than just read it quickly and try and grasp everything at one go. Yeah. So it's taking me some time, but I'm enjoying that because I, I think about every single portion I read very well. Hmm. Um, and there's so many examples in there, so many um, paths or, or so many ideas of how you can harness the power of your mind to accomplish whatever it is you want to accomplish. And it's, it's remarkable, really, really, it's remarkable how, um, how much that is a factor. And I would recommend everybody to read that book. Hmm. Hmm. That's great. And that's Think and Grow Rich. Think and Grow Rich, yeah. Mm. And what is one of your favorite quotes? Um, favorite quote? I think I, think I, might, I might go back to, to the life is 10%, what happens to you, and 90% how you react to it. Mm. Um, I, I think that has been my guiding quote for a very long time. Mm. Um, mm. Knowing that things would happen, yes, but it's, it's all about how you pick yourself back up. How do you um, correct whatever has happened, or how do you manage? You know, even if you become successful, how do you manage that success? Mm. Um, I, I think, I think perhaps that would be my um, standing quote. Mm. Mm. And I, I, I like that. It's uh, mm. sort of focusing inward because we don't really have that much say on everything that goes on in the world. But what we do have mm. a, a choice about mm. is the way we act. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and yeah, your your dispensation to life just has to be positive. It has to be proactive. It has to be a can-do attitude. Mm. Um, I don't cry over statement. Yeah, yeah. And what is one internet resource or application that you couldn't live without? And let's exclude Google and also uh, Law and Die. <laughs> um, uh, let's see. Um, I quite like Investopedia. Hmm. 
Um, it's it's an app that um, helps you with your investment knowledge um, in terms of the terminology, in terms of um, the, the different areas of investment and things that you know can be done. Um, it's 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 an educational tool. Mm. Um, and so far, I've, I've had to go back on it and, and use it a couple of times, or rather a few times, to be fair, um, to just build up my knowledge. Uh, especially with the legal background that I have, I don't so much have the investment background or knowledge. So it's something that I'm working to build. Hmm. And to close out the rapid fire round, do you feel like you've made it yet? No from it and I don't think I would ever feel like I've made it because I think I I always have so much ahead of me um, and I always challenge myself a little more um, I, I I've always said that you know the day that I don't have anything to improve on including myself is the day that perhaps I no longer breathe you know mm-hmm. um, because apart from my my personal self that I can always develop, um, I feel like I can always help somebody else and do something else. Um, mm. and, and I, I tend to be a bit of a workaholic in that regard. Uh, but definitely, I don't think I've made it. I know I've not made it yet. Mm. There's still more to come. Yeah. All right. And I think that was uh, that was a good rapid-fire round. And as we cool down, you mentioned mm-hmm. Think and Grow Rich. Uh, but is there any other book that you would want to recommend to the bandits? Um, there, there are quite a number of books, but um, I, it's very difficult now to try and pick one. Um, the Audacity of Hope was, was good, uh, Barack Obama. Um, there's the book on, well, The 48 Laws of Power, of course, uh, mm. a classic. Um, there's a book on Singapore. Um, on how Singapore became what it what it is, um, and you know how the prime minister uh, took it from a third world country to a first world country, mm. um, and that's that's also uh, a good one. Um, so I think those are those are just the ones that come to mind. But there there are a ton of very good books. Um, there's one that I haven't read yet, but it's. It's the next book I'm going to purchase. Mm. Um, so perhaps I can also um, let people know now. It's it's called The Intelligent Investor. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's it's written by Benjamin Graham. Yeah. Um, actually, Warren Buffett said it's by far the best book on investing ever written. So yes. it's, um, it, it's definitely my next book. Um, and I would encourage everyone else to yeah. read it as well. Yeah. And off of that, one thing that I would say is... Uh, the book gets very, very technical. So I think you talking about how you have this interest in Investopedia and a lot of what you do seems to be around understanding investing more. It's a great stage. Mm -hmm. So uh, for those bandits that may go out and get the book, you may read it and it may make perfect sense to you. It didn't to me the first time I read it. I had to sort of go through my coursework in school and then realized, oh, okay, so this is what the book was talking about and later went back and read it. Right, right, absolutely, absolutely. So it's good to have that, that resource tool with you yeah, um, to make sure you fully grasp what you're reading. 
Yes. And who are your mentors and what would you say is the general value of mentorship? Um, mentorship is absolutely important. Um, I've always had mentors from high school, um, officially and unofficially. Um, right now, I, I have a number of mentors. Um, there's a lawyer in the States who, who's a mentor of mine. Um, there's, there's also a lawyer, but he's now a businessman in England, who I was matched up with on a mentorship program in law school, actually. Um, and we've grown such a strong relationship with, um, and, and we've transcended just that mentor-mentee um, relationship. Um, so so he's, there, there's him as well. Um, and within my family, I, I have a number of mentors. We have a lot of lawyers and judges and legal professionals in my family. So mm. um, I draw inspiration from them. But on, on a wider scale, um, of course, looking at someone like Aliko Dangote, who's uh, you know the richest uh, Nigerian and African and you know black person in the world, he's uh, a huge mentor for me. Mm. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and I like that you're you're talking about people that you know personally and people that you just admire and you sort of follow uh, some of the work they've done. That's also a form of mentorship. Mm -hmm. It's who you surround yeah. yourself with and sort of the yeah. thoughts that, that infiltrate your mind. Those are what make up who you become. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, and funny enough, just today, um, I, I was reading a news article and I came across this lady who I would love to meet. I think she's my, I think she's a potential mentor of mine, um, to put it that way. So I'm, I'm going to be stalking her. Um, her name is Inkiru Balungu. Um, mm. she's the CEO of Spinlet. Um, mm. she's also, so, so that's a tech company. Um, mm. she's also a, a qualified lawyer in Nigeria, New York, England, and Wales. And not very many people have that, you know, kind of qualification. So I feel like she's, she's a more, advanced version of me so i'd love to meet her i'd mm. love to meet her mm. yeah yeah i think and, and i think that's good to recognize those people who are movers and shakers in whatever what whatever their industries are and trying to reach out and connect with them mm -hmm. yeah mm -hmm. yeah and, and they, they're human beings and, and they understand the value of mentorship and assistance so i don't think if it's not a strange request i don't think they will turn people down yeah and what advice would you give to those people who are afraid to take that next step that they know they should? Um, I'm trying to give a concise advice now. Um, what I would say is be calculated, but be fearless. Hmm. So I wouldn't just tell you to drop everything and take that step. But drop everything and take that step mm. in a calculated way. Make sure you're, you've thought about it, you've strategized about it, you've spoken to people, mentors, colleagues, friends, and family, um, and, you and you may not get an approval from all these people. In fact, there will be people that will turn their backs on you mm. um, because they feel that is not the, the field you should go into, that's not the step you should take. Uh, mm. But nobody can determine your career quite as well as you can. So mm. um, be brutally honest with yourself and calculate your your steps. 
mm. and have a plan B to D, you know, plan A to D. Don't don't just have a plan A and if it fails, that's it. Um, although if plan A fails, keep pushing. Um, mm. You know, you don't you don't fail unless you give up. So um, again, I'll just say, be fearless, but be calculated. Mm. I think that's 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 really great advice. Be fearless and be calculated. And as we as we say goodbye, unfortunately, it's that time where we uh, we're we're wrapping up. I think it's been a great interview so far. And for those bandits that have been listening and who've been just particularly inspired by the work you're doing and just from the things you've said in general, uh, how can they connect with you for uh, maybe internship or even mentorship opportunities? Yeah, um, I'm very much open to uh, mentoring people. I've been doing that since I was in high school, even before I knew everything I know now. Um, mm. And not to even say that I, I know everything right now, but I can at least be a sounding board. Um, and based on my background as a lawyer, I can also give advice. Mm. Um, of course, non-professional advice, so that um, you don't uh, take take what I say so to a professional degree. But um, mm. you can contact me by my email, um, addaze at gmail.com. That's A-D-D-A-Z-E at gmail.com. Mm. That's probably the best way to reach me. I'm also on Twitter, on Instagram, um, Facebook. Um, yeah. Or just follow any of my businesses and we can grow from there together. Yeah. And for those bandits listening, uh, you can sign up for our newsletter and get all of that information. You don't have to worry about finding it. But if you are not signed up for the newsletter, you can go to knowledgebandits.com and under Andy's bio page, it'll have all the ways that you can connect with him. And and Andy, uh, as we uh, close out, I'm going to leave with the final question. So you're tasked with building the greatest business the world has ever seen. You can bring on any two people, living or dead. With you taking the lead, who would you bring on and what would you do? It's a tough one. Um, <laughs> but knowing knowing one challenge that I have, which is I'm not very creative, uh, hmm. uh, <laughs> it's good to recognize your, um, your limitations. <laughs> um, I, I would love to have somebody with a mind like Steve Jobs. Hmm. Um, somebody, somebody crazy, somebody out of this world, somebody that can change, you know, the perception of, of things in this world. Mm. Um, so, so definitely having someone like Steve Jobs, and then having the mind of a Warren Buffett, perhaps, to mm. make sure we're we're making money. Um, I, I think I would be very happy with that team: Steve Jobs and Warren Buffett. Mm. I think I think that's a great way to close out the dream team: Steve Jobs, <laughs> yeah. Warren Buffett, and Andy Daze taking the lead. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Well, Andy, I I really want to thank you for taking the time to be with us today. Uh, I know I appreciate it and I've learned a lot from our conversation today, and I'm sure the bandits feel the same way. Thank you very much for deeming me worthy to be on the Knowledge Bandits. But <laughs> to all the bandits, you know, just. Keep, keep on with your plan, keep on with your dreams, um, and don't forget to read up, uh, be knowledgeable, and have mentors that can direct you. Hmm. Great, great yeah. parting words of, of advice. Thank you. Stay inspired. All right, cheers.
This is the Knowledge Bandits Podcast. We want to thank you for joining us today. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, Overcast, or Stitcher. You can also follow Knowledge Bandits on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And as always, Bandits, stay inspired.